1: Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions,
2: entertaining and informative. Oh, my word. Have you seen the footage from Ukraine? It's it's intense, although I guess it's kind of, it's not a full-blown invasion, but this looks pretty bad to me. Cut 21. Damn. Oh, what do you think? That sounds like a war to me. I showed that video last night on the, on the Newsmax show. There was no kidding combat going on over there. Look, I can't get worried about it. I, we all have our own problems. I talked to somebody in Kiev last night, and uh, very peaceful, ordinary there, but on the border with Russia. Look, all I know is... This would not be happening. And, you know, by now that this would not be happening with Trump in power. All right. And he was right. I just love it. There are other people who have made this point, but nobody better than when Donald Trump said it. All right. This is a couple of weeks ago. And he's saying, you know what? When you think about it, there are no new wars under Trump. And it's true. And we got a grand spanking new one. Under Biden here he is saying the what should be obvious what the fake news will never concede, but he's right cut 23.
1: I was proud to be the first president in decades who did not get the United States into any new wars. I took us out of endless and ridiculous wars remember when I was running they were all screaming he'll start a war he's that kind of a guy. No, I'm the one that got them not to fight because they didn't want to mess with us. Totally
2: rebuilt the military. Nobody wanted to mess. I like it when he quotes some, you know, some unknown person. He'll start a war. He's that kind of guy. Remember when they were saying that? It just is so spot on. It's true. It also is funny, but it's true. It's true. Joe Biden was actually standing around with a straight face saying that Putin was afraid of him. Putin was afraid of Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden was afraid to appear with Putin in a joint press conference. By the way, if you're from the Russian community or Ukraine community, we've got a lot of them here in New York. Let me know uh, how you feel about all this. I got the sense in Ukraine they weren't even on the edge of their seat. You know, they've been through this before back in 2014. Uh, and who was president then? Obama, who was his vice president, Biden. You know, they invaded Georgia, the Republic of Georgia back in 2008, who was the president then, George W. Bush. And what did George W. have in common with uh, Joe Biden? Well, they were both basically zero in the polls. You know, those polls make a difference. It's not just, oh, he's popular or he's not. No, it goes to the heart of what they can do, what they can't do, what our enemies will do, what they will try. By the way, here's something that I think we've got to start thinking about. Um, Extending the term for president of the United States. It's been mentioned before that it should be six years. Now, I know I'm not talking about Biden. I can't stand it. He's not going to last anyway. He's just we all know that this is temporary. But I think we should think about that six years or at least letting them stay in office for uh, what's up with the two year term limit, two term limit. You can't be president for more than eight consecutive years. Well, why is that? Uh, they, they didn't pass an amendment until after FDR. George Washington set the president. Two terms seemed about right, and he called it a day. But constitutionally, the presidents could continue to run. And FDR, FDR was in his fourth term when he died. Now, why why do I bring that up? I've just been looking at this. You know, Putin has now seen presidents come and go. He saw George W. Bush come and go. He saw Bill Clinton come and go. Barack Obama come and go. Donald Trump come and go. And now Joe Biden. What is that, five presidents, six? And it's the same thing with President Xi in China. These guys stay, and they can think about the long game. You know, the way our silly system works and our media, our corrupt media, we insist that they show up at some clambake in Iowa so we can watch them and critique them and make fun of them while the rest of the world is, you know, really thinking about more serious issues. Uh, you can, Their leaders can think strategically, not about some damn primary in Vermont. There's, there's something to this. We are the silliest country on earth. We are so silly. And the stuff that you can't have a president can only focus full time on being president for about four months. Four months is all he's got to get his agenda done. And then it, everything's about reelection. Everything is about reelection. And that's that's not in our best interest. Hey, speaking of. Um, well, I don't want a parliamentary system where they can turn out the president. Hey, obviously, I want a constitutional amendment to make this happen. Have you seen what's happening in um, Canada? There's this minister of justice. He called himself a minister of justice, and he says that Trump supporters in Canada have a lot to be worried about. you got to go to my Twitter, at Greg Kelly USA. This guy looks like somebody I met at the hobby shop, Willis Hobby Shop, actually, in Mineola, where I've been going many years. He looked like one of those characters I did not like at the hobby shop. I love the hobby shop and I love the people who go. But every now and then I ran into somebody I didn't like, one of those snobs about railroads. And they had the best set and they only it just he looks like that. He's got a weird beard. I don't like him and I don't like that he's saying that Trump supporters have a lot to worry about in Canada. They're parking their cars on the wrong side of the street and they're throwing him in jail without bail. Now I am very excited that the convoy has come to America. Did you hear about this? The convoy, I believe it's leaving today from California, destination, Washington, DC, State of the Union. And you know what? If you blow if you blow five hundred truck horns outside the Capitol, will they be able to hear it on the inside? I hope they can. Wouldn't that be great? In the middle of Joe Biden's speech, they start blowing the horns. And we can hear it. So the State of the Union is such a waste of time anyway. It's next Tuesday. Joe's going to bore us all to death. That would be interesting and fun. But the National Guard has been called. Uh, The Secretary of Defense has authorized Washington, D.C. to mobilize the National Guard. Interesting. When conservatives talk about bringing in the National Guard, all hell breaks loose. Oh, that's a violation. Oh, my God. How can they do it? This is this is a dictatorship. Do you remember in the heart of Black Lives Matter when rioting and looting and fires happen all over the place? Senator Tom Cotton writes a little essay, a little note. Hey, maybe we should think about bringing in the National Guard. And he sends it to the New York Times. The New York Times looks at it and says, hmm, this is an interesting idea. Let's put it in the paper. <laughs> the guy who, The guy who made that decision, they fired him. How could you even how could you even allow for the possibility of the National Guard being brought I, how dare you this is racist and all the woke reporters stood up and walked out of the New York Times they, they they just threw their weight around it was really really pathetic yet not not a word no mention this is just totally fine again bring in the National Guard bring in brute force when Ever you don't agree with the protesters that's what's happening uh, Ukraine let me just look at the thing here no nothing really is going on um, hmm. Donald Trump says we've lost our confidence as a country and I don't disagree I really don't I think he's spot on when you look at Joe Biden does that inspire confidence the whole world is walking all over us and when he went around saying this nonsense, I knew he was lying. This is, uh, this is Joe Biden bragging about how everybody was welcoming him and the way they did it when he toured the world. Listen to this. It's all nonsense. Cut 22.
3: I said America's back. And the response was, for how long? So they say we see America's back, but for how long? I just got back from Europe meeting with heads of state. One said to me, I said, America's back. And he said, for how long? When I went over, I said, with those seven leaders, I said, we're back. And the response was, for how long?
2: Uh, what does that mean? It's just something that sounds good. It's just something that sounds good. Um, and they do that all the time, politicians. They make up stuff. Now, America is gone, I'll say this, is gone from the world stage as a superpower as a result of our horrible defeat in Afghanistan. And Putin senses an opportunity. Why not? Why shouldn't he? He's got the army. He wants Ukraine. That's how it works, unfortunately. We don't have the strength to deter him. Why are you pussyfooting around with these sanctions, by the way? I'm no uh, global economist, but I do know enough about the economy to know that we did not handicap Russia. You want to mess with Russia, mess with their oil sales in a big way, in a significant way, in an unprecedented way. And we didn't do that. So when Joe was going around during the campaign saying crap like this, he was, well, he was playing the role of a tough guy. Now we see. It was just an act, and nobody is buying it. Nobody. Go ahead. What did we – Putin was shaking in his boots when he thought of uh, Joe Biden becoming president. Isn't that right, Joe?
3: Because Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. I'm going to stand up to him. He's a bully, just like the president. And I know he doesn't want me to be president, but to tell you what – when I'm president, things are going to change.
2: They're going to get worse. They did get worse. I mean, Joe should probably he could. I you could tell Joe to tender his resignation based on that unfulfilled promise. It's just again they say things because they sound good in the moment. Here's another one, and a lot of gullible people went there. Remember uh, when I played a moment ago? Donald Trump saying uh, he's the kind of guy who will start a war. Well, uh, Joe Biden was pushing that. Uh, This is a newly ex-Vice President Joe Biden in 2017.
3: I asked the question, how many of you today are concerned there's, for the first time in your career, a genuine possibility of a nuclear war? In January, it would have been about 1%, and they would have thought it would occur if only if ISIS got a hold of a nuclear weapon or an accident occurred. Folks, this breaking down of the international and national norms is the glue that holds the liberal world order together and holds together our system.
2: That is what is being attacked. What system? The system that made you a rich man as a nobody from Delaware? What system? The system that employed Hunter Biden? You know, right around this point. Hunter got a great big uh, pay cut. <laughs> this is this is the system that he was in love with. All right. I uh, have something to tend to. It won't take long. $94 to fill up my gas tank the other day. Can you believe it? And I don't have a monster truck. Be right back.
1: Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. 77 WABC.
2: This Russian military looks pretty good. These guys look pretty sharp. They're getting their way. Watch out, Ukraine! I don't want this to happen, but it's happening. Uh, I notice the uh, these guys look disciplined, organized. Um, they're just uh, they're they're effective. I also happen to notice that there's not that much diversity in the in the ranks. I don't see too many women. I don't see too many people of color. Um, it is what it is. I mean, the population is different from ours. We have plenty of diversity in the ranks, but now, since diversity and race and gender is all anybody thinks about and talks about, the powers that be, uh, the liberal left, the media, academia, uh, Lester Holt, they have all decided we don't have enough and there must be more. So while the Russians are focused on lethality, you know, killing people and moving people and moving trucks and planes and all that stuff, Uh, While the Chinese talk about lack of diversity, uh, the Chinese army, uh, they are focused on taking back Taiwan and becoming the most powerful nation in the world within the next couple of years. And they're right on track to do that. Uh, They're focused on the mission. They're focused and we're, we're focused on trivial crap. And the way we treat our military leaders, why would you stay in the military? Why would you work to become a general? And there you are, you're a four star general, right? You're the commander. And then you gotta show up on Capitol Hill and either virtue signal like Mark Milley, I don't
3: I wanna know about white rage, and I'm white. Isn't that amazing? Isn't
2: that generous of me? Look at that. I wanna know about white rage. I wanna know about critical race theory. Shut the hell up and get to work. Kirsten Gillibrand, uh Democrat. Nobody's seen her much lately. Hey, I'll say this about her. She's gotten some like concrete stuff done for New York, at least as far as our getting our share of the money. And that kind of stuff, we give D.C., I think, more money than we get out. But here she is just berating, I mean, on and on and on, some four-star general. This is General Berger. Listen to how she treats him in public. No one's ever talked to me like this in private, let alone in public. Cut 30.
4: When you say to us, uh, it's got to be different, that rings hollow. I don't know what you mean when you say that. Why does it have to be different? Because you all of a sudden feel that it has to be different? Do you think the harassment ends online? It doesn't. I can tell you, your answers today are unsatisfactory. They do not go far enough. And I would like you to know what you intend to do to the commanders who are responsible for good order and discipline.
2: Imagine a Chinese general getting that kind of treatment in public or a Russian general getting that kind of treatment in public. North Korea, anybody, any country should treat these guys with respect. Yes, they screw up. And yes, they've got to be uh, they're accountable to the people. The problem is when you chew out a guy like that who's not used to getting chewed out, what's he going to do? He's going to go back to headquarters and chew out everybody else because he doesn't want that to happen. And he'll have the decency, however, to do it in private, not in public. So we don't treat our military with respect, not at the top, not at the bottom. And the results are a weakened military that's consumed with all this uh, non-warfighting stuff. It puts you at risk, puts me at risk. You know what else puts us at risk? Goofy leaders. <laughs> Did I have this for you yesterday? Here's a good one. Kamala Harris making absolutely no sense in Munich. People, there's this big seminar and lots of academics and professionals and diplomats, and they're all looking at each other. Cut 27.
4: I would, I, I think that the heart of your question really does uh, demand the importance of, of the the perseverance and enduring nature of institutions and alliances.
2: She has no idea making it up as she goes along, just like her quote unquote boss, Joe Biden. Be right back. Did you hear about the carjacking of an 11 year old kid? What was an 11 year old kid doing driving that car? No, no, I think he was in the back seat or something like that. Uh, 11 year old carjackings have increased carjackings. What is this? 1989 carjackings. It's so hard to steal a car right with the low jack with the chip inside. I mean, everybody knows like where that car is. The dealer knows where the car is. The manufacturer knows where the car is. uh, uh, And also the key, if they don't have the key, aren't they like totally screwed? You can't hotwire a car anymore. What? I don't totally get it. I'm going to, you know, this is a question for uh, maybe my dad or maybe even Bo Deedle. I'll have to get to the bottom of that. I I know anarchy is reigning. Thanks a lot, um, Eric Adams, Bill de Blasio, you schmoes. And the weak New York City press corps that allowed this to happen. You heard me ranting and raving about Eric Adams. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he was dumb. I knew he had zero ideas. I know he has zero integrity, zero ability. But, hey, he looks great in a suit. Oh, hey, did you hear he's a vegan or, no, I'm sorry, a vegetarian or who cares? The New York Times wrote a story last week about how much sleep the guy gets and that he rides his bike around. Who cares? As if that's new, as if that's Interesting. You can't take the subway anymore. And if you are taking it, I only say you should take that subway if, number one, you can't afford Uber. And quite frankly, those Uber prices are coming down and you probably can't afford Uber. Only ride at certain times of the day. I wish I could tell you exactly when that is. I haven't been on the subway in a couple of weeks now. No, I'm not going down there. The last thing I need is to get punched in the face or, I don't know, if I've got to do something to somebody. I don't want to, I don't want any part of it. I, as it is, I'm getting weird looks on the street a lot. New York wasn't a place where people, like, really made a hell of a lot of eye contact. Now I'm getting, like, there's weird vibes. And I I not very long ago, well, pre-COVID, I wasn't getting that. But Eric, at least he's having a good time in his suits and at his sushi club. And uh, I guess that guy lives in Gracie Mansion, huh? Welcome to New York, Eric. <laughs> he lived in Jersey for uh, about seven years. Fantasized about taking, uh, what did he say his 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 greatest passion in life was? Bubble baths. And then they went to his apartment in Brooklyn. And guess what? No bubble bath. No bath. Just a crummy little shower. Uh, strange guy. And we're going to find out more stuff about him. This is not going to end well. Be careful out there. The cops don't respect him. You know, I have my differences with de Blasio, and boy, do I have my differences with Bill Bratton. But on paper, on paper, you could say that when de Blasio brought in Bratton, now he was bringing in another fraud, but on paper, it looked like, okay, this guy's a tough-on-crime type of guy. We all know what happened next, okay? Nothing. Actually, a spike in shootings in 2014. But when – so Adams brings in as police commissioner the – Somebody you never heard of who wasn't even in charge of the Nassau County Police Department. was like the the chief of some bureau, and there are six bureaus not in charge of a small suburban police department. They make that person the head of the – hey, where has she been, by the way? I see Eric on TV all the time. I never see her. And uh, she's supposed to be great on TV. Does Eric feel threatened by her? Does Eric now see her as a rival? I wonder. All right. So, hey, do you guys remember Brad? Let me get to that in a second. First, you guys. Uh, David in Orange County. Hi.
1: Hey, how's it going, buddy? How you doing? Yeah. I got a question for you. Uh, You know, I was talking about this with my friend the other night, and uh, do you believe that Donald Trump actually changed the way the United States is going to think forever? He really made... Everybody thinks, you know, he really did alter the way everybody thinks about the media, about everything that's being told to us. We're starting to question stuff. We never did this before Donald Trump. I mean, um, I personally think, you know, he really did change all of America, all America's way of thinking.
2: I think America woke up with him, but uh, no. I mean, people have been skeptical of the media for a long, long time I think Donald Trump is a perfect reflection, quite frankly, of where the country is. Um, he's a result of the country. I don't think that, uh, I, I don't know, if it's not a matter of credit. Look, he changed the country, I believe, for the better. There is a hell of a lot of strife here, but I think that's going to get us to a good place. That's an interesting question. I, I, I it's, it's, it, it, it is something to kick around. Hey, David, what else is going on up there in Orange County?
0: Oh no, no! I live over here in Pine Bush. Uh, you know, just doing the country
1: thing.
2: All right, enjoy, enjoy. Interesting. Uh, let's see, George. Uh, he's on Long Island somewhere. What's up? Hi.
1: How are you, Greg? Um, I live in Mount Sinai in a golf course. I'm watching him play golf. I don't even—I never played golf in the day in my life. I'm from Brooklyn, but I lived in Garden City for like 40 years, and I used to take my kid to uh, Willis Hobby Shop. He was—he uh, loved the place. He got interested in aviation. He could not be an airline pilot because of his eyesight, but he's a full FAA mechanic. But get this, I don't want to say the airline. He's in charge of what goes on the planes. He, did, he got a memo saying, make sure you have enough wrist ties to go on the plane and duct tape. And there's a memo to the flight attendants, make sure if you have to duct tape somebody, just duct tape their mouth, not their nose and their mouth. Can you imagine? We're going into a becoming a third-world country. I used to work for Eastern Airlines years and years ago. Everybody flew with a jacket and tie. It's really – it's beyond my – I'm an old guy. I've just really watched the changes.
2: Hey, I, look, I don't blame the – like, some of these passengers do kind of get crazy. Some guy tried to rush the cockpit the other day. you got to subdue that guy. I, I'm not uh, – I, I don't have an issue that they have duct tape just in case or uh, – or uh, rip ties or zig ties or whatever you call those things. I'm okay with that, except if they start duct taping people who say, let's go Brandon, or wear a let's go Brandon mask. I see a role for this equipment in this day and age, don't you, a little bit?
1: Yeah, but it's sad, but the the joke, not a joke, it's not funny, but to tell the flight attendants, make sure you don't tape his nose and his mouth.
2: Well... (laughs) It's a precaution. I mean, that's a precaution. I mean, it's something to think about. It's just, I, I, I get it. I get it. You got to put that in the in the little memo there. Hey, what did you do for Eastern Airlines? I was in the
1: flight service. Then I worked for the court system for 35 years. I called you before. I told you about when they, your dad used to come. Yeah, I
2: know. I out. remember. And you were at the golf course. That's uh, fantastic. And by the way, uh, who was the guy who was in charge of Eastern Airlines? Frank Borman, the astronaut. Did you ever meet him? Uh, no. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, sure.
1: He was the president of Easter Airlines.
2: Yeah. So long. We earn our wings every day. He flew on Apollo 8 all the way to the moon. Great guy. He's still alive, as are all the crew members of Apollo 8. Uh, George, thank you. Uh, we got to get back to the moon and fast. This planet is really killing my buzz. Uh, real quick here. Dennis in Oceanside. Hi.
5: Okay. Hey, what's happening, bro? Listen, that wasn't a carjack. The silly parent left his kid in the car with the car running. And the guy just took off.
2: Well, that's why I said, uh, what the hell's going on here? Because I was looking at Fox News, and they called it a carjacking. And I see the guy get in. He didn't force anybody out. A carjacking to me is, you know, you take a gun out, you get the driver out of the driver's seat, you get in there yourself, and you drive off. That's a carjacking. You're stealing a car while it's running, right?
5: This, right. This is an opportunist. This guy just saw a car empty. He thought it was empty, but the kid was in the back. And it was running, and he took off for a joyride.
2: Yeah uh a joyride how much fun is it riding around in a car you know joyride i wonder about that all right now dennis thanks for straightening us out on that one and i'm sorry one more pamela is in new jersey hi
4: hi uh to compare what's going on with these speeches from our government about ukraine and russia it's sad but true reminds me remember when we were in school and we were supposed to read this a book for a book report and give an oral report and you know Certain kids didn't read the book, and it was rather amusing watching them stumble through it. <laughs> that's sad, but that's what it looks like, and it's pathetic.
2: Yeah, you still get a kick out of it. You mean when it sounds? Uh, let's see here, something like uh, something like this. Cut twenty-seven.
4: I would. I, I think that the heart of your question really does uh, demand
0: the importance of. Of, the, of the, the the perseverance and enduring nature of institutions and alliances.
2: Yeah, that's right out of uh, the fourth grade. That's right out of you don't know what the hell to say, so you just kind of fill it up with big words, right?
5: You got it. That's uh, it. That's uh, what, you know, it,
4: it's so it's so terrible. You have to laugh or you cry.
2: Well, I think we're going to be all right. we got to be active. We have to be vigilant. Do not get down. Whatever you do, and if you need a little inspiration, and I think we all do, read that Bible. You know I highly recommend it. I read it today. I'm off to a great start. I really am. And you know what else I'm doing that's great? You know I'm a big – how do I put this? I used to run, then I stopped, and then I ran again. Well, anyway, I stopped, and I'm getting back into it. So today I ran 1.7 miles. That's 17 minutes at a 10-minute – I know, that's terrible. That's slow. That's terrible. But yesterday, I ran 1.5 miles, 15 minutes. The day before that, I ran 1.3 miles. I'm just getting a little bit better every single day, and I was in this boat before. I could only run one mile, and then I built up and built up and built up, and after just a few months, I was able to run, get this, three miles in 21 minutes. That's fast. That's fast for anybody. And, uh, I mean, it's not world record or anything like that, but it's good. Just building a little bit each day better. Don't compare yourself to anyone else just to who you were yesterday. Be right back. The latest news, behind-the-scenes
1: videos. Get it all now. Like 77 WABC on Facebook. Is the Greg Kelly Show.
2: I've been wanting to do this for a while. Do you remember when Donald Trump was talking to those uh, Georgia officials who were gaslighting him, stonewalling him, not cooperating about the election? And the tape came out and they're like, listen to Donald Trump. Oh, my gosh. He's trying to steal this election. Well, if you sat down and listened to the entire tape, you would realize, no, he's just trying to uh, have a fair election, get fair results and a bunch of corrupt bureaucrats are opposing him that's my interpretation here's a portion of that tape he's talking to a guy named Brad Raffensperger remember him the secretary of state of Georgia how the hell this guy got elected to anything is one great big mystery to me uh so this is after this is January 2nd or so maybe maybe late december early january 2021 And Trump is uh, understandably upset because it's being stolen from him. Cut 38.
1: But why wouldn't you want to find the right answer, Brad, instead of keep saying that the numbers are right? Because those numbers are so wrong. I don't even know why you have a side, because you should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an
0: accurate election. We believe that we do have an accurate election.
2: There are a lot of problems with Brad. Brad Um no experience, no knowledge, yet a lot of ambition. The guy wants to be governor of Georgia, and he wanted to be governor of Georgia. Well, that's why he got into politics. Uh, he's almost—he was almost 60 years old when he decides I want to be in politics. And he runs for city council, then he runs for uh, what? Are the, Georgia House of Representatives. And then, like the second day on the job, he goes to the Speaker of the House and says, "I want to be your deputy. I want to be the whip. I want to. I want to." And the guy looks at him and says, uh, you're not experienced, you don't know anything, uh, why don't you have a seat for the next 10 years and get back to me? Well, he didn't like hearing that at all, so he went out and ran for statewide office, secretary of state. Who the hell would want to be that anyway? Hmm? Um, <clears throat> and he found his chance with COVID. COVID provided him with an opportunity. I can be somebody. I can be somebody. So on his own, he decides to send out six million applications for absentee ballots just as COVID is starting. That's crazy. It's it takes years to set up effective uh, absentee voting systems. Years. And he just did it basically overnight. Six million first class mail. A total, a colossal mistake. If you want to run, you can have absentee voting, but you got to set it up with care. And his buddy was like, and the guy who um, said you can't be speaker told him, this is crazy. Here he is. This is the speaker of the Georgia House of Representatives. He's been in politics since 1993. His name is David Ralston. And when he finds out that uh, Raffensperger mailed out six million applications for absentee ballots... He said this, cut 34.
3: This will be extremely uh, devastating to uh, to Republicans and conservatives uh, in Georgia.
2: And it was. And by the way, he negotiated some sort of ridiculous agreement with Stacey Abrams. He's one of these guys who's afraid of getting sued. Now, if you're in politics, if you're in the big leagues, you can't be afraid of getting sued. It comes with the territory. I've seen this from officials. They're like, we might get sued. So then you'll deal with it. Then you'll look at the lawsuit. You know, anytime anybody mentions lawyers, 30% of the people are going to get panicked and, and just give up. But you can't be like that. And he was like that. So he gives it all away to Stacey Abrams. Signature verification becomes a complete joke. But the fake news loves him. The fake news, they think he's fantastic because he stood up to Trump. He stood up to Trump. Cut 31. Kudos to Brad Rassenberger, honestly. Like, well done,
3: dude. To Brad Raffensperger's credit, he stood firm against what the president was requesting. I'm proud of, of Secretary of State Raffensperger. Brad Raffensperger stood up, did the right
2: thing.
0: He'll end up being the American hero out of all of this, and that's amazing.
2: That's amazing? Well, all right, this is a guy who doesn't stand up to much of it. Here he is. This is when he's campaigning. All right. He, um, do you think this is a guy? This is, is this a tough guy? You've seen what he looks like, right? Here he is. Cut 32. This is in a debate. He wants to be secretary of state. I think this answer renders him ineligible. But uh, here we go. 32.
0: Why do these boards want to leave the secretary of state's office? The question. I can't really speak about the past to look about the future. And I've heard from the nurses. I've met with many different boards. I'm the only business person in this race, and I'm actually a structural engineer licensed by the state of Georgia, and also a licensed general contractor. Oh. And those two boards have been very pleased with my service. But if there are any boards that need attention, need fixing, uh, need uh, some uh, modifications, either legislatively or administratively, that's one of be one of the, uh, be, that'll be my first focus uh, this coming session um, as we work through uh, any changes that we need to do. I've heard from the nurses, uh, and I know that we do to, do need to make some changes.
2: He can't stand up to the nurses. He how's he going to stand up to Stacey Abrams? Could you see the? Anyway, he gives Trump a hard time. So the fake news, uh, they embrace him. Now he has a book. The book is, the book is suspicious. All right, you can. You, they say you can't judge a book by the t- the cover. I say absolutely you can. This is a giveaway. On the front page, on the very cover, it says the name of the book is "Integrity Counts." And it has a picture of him, just a big old picture of him, a smiling picture. Integrity counts. Integrity isn't something you claim. You don't go around saying, I have so much integrity. No, somebody else says that about you. But you don't, I don't think you say it about yourself. That takes a certain amount of chutzpah. So the book is called Integrity Counts. And who is his celebrity endorser? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Brad Raffensperger put public service above party. And for that, he is a true democracy democracy action hero. You get it? He's always referring to these cheesy, stupid movies he made. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who lived with his wife and a maid and got the maid pregnant and had a child and uh, didn't let the wife know what was going down. This is Mr. Integrity. Something else about Arnold. um, (laughs) This is the fake news's idea of a Republican, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let me see here. Do you remember? uh, Picture this. He's waving around a sword, pledging allegiance forever to Joe Biden. Cut 33. President-elect Biden, we stand with you today, tomorrow and forever in defense of our democracy from those who would threaten it. What? You're going to stand with Joe Biden forever? This is something in the. uh, What was that called? The uh, Austro uh, Austria-Hungary Empire that that we don't do that here forever very strange the whole thing and here's something else mr integrity one more i know it's not the most raffensburger but he deserves this raffensburger in his book says that donald trump was undermining democracy years before the election he badmouths trump left and right yet he claims to have voted for him not once but twice. Do you believe him? I don't. Listen to how he says it, actually. He gets tripped up when he when he claims to have voted for Trump twice. Listen to this. Cut 36.
0: I talk to a lot of Republicans every day. I talk to people that were Goldwater Republicans, Ronald Reagan Republicans, Bush Republicans and Trump Republicans like myself. I voted for
2: president twice. Twice. I voted for president twi- twice. What is up? That's a we just nailed him in a lie. He he didn't realize what his ghostwriter wrote. All right, there's no way you can't say that this guy has uh, been undermining democracy for years and years and years, and then vote for him when you say your guy is uh, when you say you're Mister Integrity. Right? It doesn't add up. No wonder why he's a fake news hero, not an action hero, Arnold. A fake news hero. Be back. I was talking to this great guy not too long ago. Happens to be in real estate. I learned all about real estate. I don't know much about it and um, just all the little things. How do you know you're going to make a sale? How do you – how does it all go down? How does it work? How many times do you have to show it to someone and just interesting stuff? And when I'm talking to interesting people, I do like to find out somewhere in there I'll say, are you a person of faith? And uh, I'm not. I'm just open. I'm just curious, you know. And um, this, it, it, he he said honestly. He said, "No, no, no, no. I'm not actually." And I thought it was. It, it, I I'm not judging the response. I mean, I, I hope the best for everybody. But what am I getting at here? I said, "Well, why not?" And he said, "Well, years ago, someone um, that he knew uh, kind of got scammed by one of those televangelists and was giving like like way too much money." To uh, a televangelist, and it turned, it turned, it turned them off. And I, that happens, and um, people get turned off. But I, generally, I try to reply like this. And he was a real estate agent. I mean, you know, I see TV commercials for you know real estate, no money down, and all those things. And let's say I called one of those and wound up losing money. Would that mean I should not deal with real estate agents anymore? Would that mean that all real estate agents are inherently, you know, out to rip? Of course not. And this individual who gave all that money to a televangelist uh, was let down not by God, but by a person, scammed by a person. And uh, I think it's very important to make that uh, differentiation, right, that distinction, Fair enough. All right. What's going on in Ukraine? Cut 21, please. Well, none of that sounds good, although it's not happening all over the country. In the capital of Kiev, they are sipping... um, coffee and having their cocktails and everybody seems pretty blase and also very unimpressed with Joe Biden and how he responded. Those sanctions, as outlined yesterday, are very, very weak and had very little to do with uh, where, where it could really hurt selling their oil. Europe depends on their oil and Europe doesn't even want to mess with it. All right. Let's just leave it alone. Hey, there's an answer to this. Nuclear power. Get back to nuclear power. It's safe and it's clean. It's a hell of a lot safer than it was in nineteen seventy nine. Is that when is that when uh when was when was Three Mile Island? Right around there. And I have a special message for a guy named Chris Krebs. Stay the hell out of it. Chris Krebs fooled the entire fake news establishment when it was absolutely no business of his to say that the election was safe and fair and secure because there was no outside meddling. We didn't have hackers from Russia. Nobody was worried about hackers from Russia. But this guy came out and said it. And everybody took that in the fake news to mean that the election was totally fine. Cut 35.
5: I have confidence in the security of this election, because I know the work that we've done for four years in support of our state and local partners. I know the work that the intelligence community has done, that the Department of Defense has done, that the FBI has done, that my team has done. I know that these systems are more secure. I know, based on what we have seen, that any attacks on the election were not successful.
2: This guy is a total bum. Chris Krebs. He knew what he was doing, so he had a jo- he had a cybersecurity job at Homeland Security. He was supposed to worry about overseas hackers, and I'm sure he was. I'm sure he did a great job regarding overseas hackers, but deliberately, I believe he misled uh, the mainstream news, or the mainstream news allowed itself to be misled to say that Chris Krebs somehow had authority over elections that he could certify our elections as safe and secure. We weren't concerned about the Russians. We were concerned about Stacey Abrams throwing out the rules. We were concerned about Pennsylvania throwing out its own constitution, its own state constitution, the Commonwealth of Constitution, which says you can vote in two ways, in-person or absentee with excuse. Instead, they mailed out millions and millions of applications for ballots. All hell broke loose. And yet they still say that Trump, you know, I felt so bad, actually. When I listened to this tape recently of Trump trying to get those Georgia election officials to see things his way. The problem was Trump was not being specific enough in his questions and his team wasn't backing him up. Mark Meadows was fantastic. He facilitated the meeting. He's the chief of staff. That's what he's supposed to do. But the lawyers The election specialists on his team, where the hell were they? Cut 38. But why wouldn't you want to find the right answer,
1: Brad, instead of keep saying that the numbers are right? Because those numbers
3: are so wrong. I don't even know why you have a side, because you should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election.
2: We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, you don't. You're out to try to make a name for yourself. And that stupid book, Mr. Integrity, guess who he's praising left and right? Jimmy Carter and Chris Krebs. Jimmy Carter of the Carter Center. Oh, Jimmy Carter said this. Jimmy Carter said that. The Carter Center said the election was great. Well, dig a little deeper on Jimmy Carter. He actually said something that was important that should have been in your book that wasn't. In 2005, he sat with James Baker, Republican Secretary of State under George H.W. Bush, And the two of you together agreed that absentee balloting, there is a huge, huge potential for fraud. He warned you about it in 2005, but COVID hit. You wanted to make a name for yourself. You wanted to be special. You want to be governor. So you sent out 6 million applications for absentee ballots. Just devastating. And... Republicans being Republicans, I don't know. I mean, half of them, half of the powerful Republicans secretly wanted Trump gone. They wanted him gone. And now they want people who support him gone. That stuff in Canada. Now, you're about to hear a journalist talk to the Minister of Justice. Quite a title, huh? The Minister of Justice. That sounds very Orwellian. Other countries have ministries, right? I remember when I was in Iraq, we had the Ministry of the Interior. We had the Ministry of – what are the ministries? Intelligence. I mean, it just sounded so ominous. And it is ominous right now. This is the guy – I thought Canada was a reasonable place. The Ministry of Justice. Here's a reporter talking to him, and uh, listen to what he says about what should happen to people who have been supporting the convoy. Go ahead. You got that. You got it or what? I can't hear anything. Did you, what? Are you? I, all right, never mind. We'll get to that some other day, I guess. you the one you just cut 10 seconds ago. You told me about it. Go ahead. Look, you've just compared people who may have donated to this to the, the same people who are funding maybe a terrorist. I just want to be clear here, sir. This is really important. A lot of folks says, look, I just don't like your vaccine mandates and I donated to this.
5: Now it's illegal. Should I be worried that the bank can freeze my account? What's your answer to that? Well, if, I think if you, if you are a member uh, of you know, a, a pro-Trump movement who's donating hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars to this kind of thing, then you ought to be worried.
2: Then you ought to be worried. If you're a member of a pro-Trump movement and no individual has given that millions of dollars, they're talking about small donations. You should be worried. You should be worried. How do you feel about that? Corey's on the phone from Long Island. Corey?
1: Oh, Greg, how are you? Good. Yeah. You just, I, I called in, I wanted to bring that up because I, I listened to you a couple of days ago. You were talking about how Rapsenberger has an admiration for Carter and it came to mind, and, but you, you just stole my thunder. You know, he, he had that election integrity co- commission put together. And the number one thing they came back with was do not do mail-in vote, uh, mail-in ballots on a mass level or any level, because it's going to totally, uh, it's total corruption. With, you know, it lends, lends to all this corruption. And, uh, it just blows my mind that, uh, you know, if he has an admiration for Carter, why doesn't he do what
2: what, what Carter's commission told him to do? Yes, I know. And, you know, what's the, he's so self-righteous. These people are so self-righteous. And Trump, something about Trump has gotten under their skin, and they think, supported by the fake news, that opposing Trump somehow is uh, supporting democracy. It's a vicious little phony cycle. And you're right. It's right there. It's right there. You can look it up. I had it printed up yesterday, A 100-and-something pages, A 100-and-something pages about how dangerous it is to open up absentee, absentee voting the way they did in Georgia, all right? It doesn't work. And by the way, this is still America, and it's okay to talk about the election. It's okay to talk about race. It's okay to support the cops. It's unbelievable how the conversation has been hijacked, speaking of hijacked, hijacked by the left and dictated by them what you can say, what you can't say. It's wrong. This is still America. We have departments. We have the the government works for us. Don't forget it. Hey, you want something? You You want to hear Joe Biden lying out loud? This is great. Now, first, we'll listen to how the story really went. Joe Biden's vice president. His son is working for Burisma. Okay. And he's begging the president over there to get rid of the prosecutor. Joe Biden now, the president of Ukraine, okay, takes a call from Joe Biden, who's the vice president. And the president decides to tape this phone call. I wonder why he would do that. Hmm? He wanted to have something on Joe. Listen to how he frames the conversation and then notice the relief in Joe Biden's voice. Cut 24.
3: Yesterday, I met meet with the general prosecutor, shocking. Yeah. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, so, he doing something wrong, I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday, I especially ask him to resign. Great. This is my second step for keeping my promises. I
2: agree. Great. I agree. He's relieved. He's happy because the president has done him a favor and fired the prosecutor who was looking into Burisma where Hunter was working. Now, listen to how Joe – I mean, that, that's corruption right there. Now, listen to how Joe tells the story, by the way. All right? This is uh, a year later. Joe's a uh, former vice president, large and in charge, raking in speaking fees, and he's got to be an entertainer as well. All right? So cut 25. Listen to this. You just heard what really happened. Now how he tells the story. Cut 25.
3: I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired.
2: <laughs> Tough guy, right? Big fat liar. Be right back. You guys remember Pete uh, edge. Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg. He was the uh, mayor of Fort Bend, Fort Lee, something like that in Indiana, and he was not he was the mayor of Indiana, who cares? Mayor of a small town in Indiana, but but he had something going for him. Um, he went to Harvard, which the fake news, they just swoon over that. But it's not that big a deal, but here's he also well. Portrayed himself as a veteran of uh, the war in Afghanistan, but it was such a fake kind of backdoor way into the military. He didn't go to boot camp. You can look it up. He says being in the military for him was like taking a vacation. And I know the route that he took. Yes, it is a vacation. It was a total scam. Never went to boot camp. Never went to OCS. It was a joke. He signed some paperwork in 15 minutes. He's walking around calling himself an officer. In the United States military, it is a joke. He's a phony veteran. But the fake news, they don't know that. They couldn't know that. And so they ate that up. But most of all, what did the fake news like about Pete Buttigieg? Well, uh, I could care less, but this is uh, something that's very important to them. He happened to be gay. And uh, they couldn't stop writing about that. Pete Buttigieg is gay and a veteran and went to Harvard. And there are thousands of stories like this. Why was he on stage with uh, people like Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris, who else was running for president back then? Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, they could not stand this guy, by the way. They were like, what the hell are you doing? We actually have real jobs, you know, competitive. Being a senator isn't a real job, but it's a hard job to get. you got to really run for it. If you want to be mayor of Fort Bend, uh, Indiana, you can. It's no big deal, all right? Just go there and, you know, you can find a way to become the mayor. Nobody wants that job. But this is interesting. Pete Buttigieg, according to the Daily Mail, accepted $250,000 and gifts from mayoral campaign donors who were later awarded $33 million in city contracts, raising concerns of pay-to-play as Transportation Secretary doles out $210 billion in infrastructure plan. They were, you know, part of this is how politics works, which is pathetic. It really is. You know, you just did that. It's all a great big pay-to-play system. But he always kind of thought he was a – he portrayed himself as, like, better than politics. And here it is. The article says, alleges that he was getting gifts like cigars, gifts like fancy bottles of wine. And then he was hiring contractors left and right and giving them millions, tens of millions of dollars in contracts. What a crummy system, huh? What a crummy system. And now he's got a real job. Secretary of Transportation – Why did they give it to him? Well, he quit in South Carolina to make way for Joe Biden. He quit. And he's gay. And uh, that's about it. That's about it. (laughs) Now, you could say that's that's a terrible thing to say. He was a good mayor of uh, South Bend. Well, you can look this up, too. There was actually a pretty good mayor of Miramar, Florida. Have you ever heard of Miramar, Florida? It's a bigger city than South Bend, Indiana. About a third more people live in Miramar, Florida. And a guy named Wayne was the mayor. And he was pretty good. Happened to be black. He went to college, didn't go to Harvard, but he went to college. Um, wasn't gay, but he had a, you know, a traditional family. You know, you tra- That wasn't cool. That wasn't in. He wasn't hip. You never saw him on the debate stage. He's not the secretary of anything. Why is that? Why is that, huh? Fascinating, isn't it? Give me a moment. I'll be back.
1: You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show.
2: So who the hell is Harry Wilson? Harry Wilson is running for governor of New York State. Uh, Never heard of the guy. Wait a second. I think he ran for controller a few years ago. He's running as a Republican. Harry Wilson. I'm sorry. Harry, it ain't going to happen. I've only seen a a total unknown uh, go from total unknown status to victor once. And it was Mike Bloomberg. Uh, Mike Bloomberg is, uh, well, obviously, uh, money was not an uh, obstacle. He he just, he was everywhere. He owned television for five months. I don't think Harry Wilson, whoever he is, is that rich. Apparently, he's a well-to-do guy who went to Harvard. Uh, It ain't going to happen. We got uh, Giuliani. uh, It could happen. Andrew Giuliani. It could happen for uh, Congressman Zeldin on Long Island. It could definitely happen for... um, John, uh, mr astorino up in westchester i think that'd be great but uh no these rich guys ego trip uh he, he has he ever been in political office no i don't think that's gonna work out all right one more thing Um uh, megan Rapino, the the purple-haired uh soccer player is back uh she's making noise about getting more money and i think finally she won she said something on the gma show today let me hear that please
0: you're finally getting recognition and compensation so megan what does this mean to you Oof,
4: it's a good day, Robin. It's a good day. I mean, I'm just so proud, to be honest. I'm so proud of, you know, all the hard work that all of us did to get us here. Obviously, the players on the team and the players this lawsuit represent and our extended team that has helped us. But it's a really amazing day. I think we're going to look back on this day and say this is the moment that, you know, U.S. soccer changed for the better. I mean, obviously, we can't go back and undo the injustices no. that we face. All right, thanks. Coming-
2: I'm good. I'm not going to uh look back on this day and think that this is the day that US soccer changed. I'm sorry. I'm glad she got a great big payday. I'd like to see men and women get paid uh the same. Uh that's not always happened, especially in my career, actually. But uh that's uh that sounds like but she's moaning about a lack of recognition. I don't get that one. Anyway, uh on to uh other things, and I find this next topic and next individual fascinating. <laughs> It's true. This is Jacqueline Carl. She's the newsreader here, uh, slash news anchor, and she's also a professional voice actor. Jacqueline, hello. Hello. Well, I feel like
4: I had to make that hello count after that introduction. Yeah, just blown
2: away by that hello. Well, (laughs) all right. First of all, first of all, uh, how long have you been working here?
4: Here since October. How do you like it? I like it. And? I especially like you.
2: Oh, come on. No. I mean, what's your job like? What do you what 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 do you what is your responsibility?
4: As a news anchor, I report the news, I source out the news, confirm the news, find the news. You know, and then I tell people about it in a way I hope that is unbiased so Wait. they can make their own decisions about the news.
2: You got to source it and confirm it? Yikes. Well, sometimes, what a know, pain in the neck. I don't want to wait to, you how, how do you how do you get to say anything if you're doing all that all day long? Well, I I'm am
4: busy. busy. I am busy, as no. you see.
2: It's uh, it's very impressive. And uh, all right, but before all this, yeah. I mean, or in addition to this, you're actually a voice actor. Yes. And technically speaking, what is a voice actor? I, I we have an idea, but w- what is one?
4: There are so many different types. Right. I mean, there's narrators. There's high energy people who will like you know really hype 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 whatever you're you're selling i have more i'm told of a calming voice so i do read um children's books and now they're doing a lot of narration where for blind people my friend mm. melissa does this where if if you can't see what's happening they narrate what's going on in between people talking but it's very interesting because they can't say like for instance. Greg looked shocked. They have to say things like "Greg raised an eyebrow," so they don't interpret for you what is being seen on the screen.
2: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. They're interpreting a movie,
4: televisions, movies. All the SAG after screeners that we got this year have that capability. Where if you can't, if you have vision impaired or blind, someone will narrate and and interpret what's being seen on the screen, whether it be television or movies.
2: That's actually pretty cool. I never knew that existed. It's new. How new?
4: Fairly new.
2: Um, all right. But the traditional thing is book reading. That's been around for a while. Yes. Although it's exploding. And I, I, I ask people all the time, what are you reading? And they're like, well, I'm listening to you. I really <laughs> like audio. They like audio books.
4: Yeah. A lot so, of people are driving.
2: Well, uh, all right. So how does that work? Let's say you get the gig. You get hired to do a book. Um, what happens next?
4: I've only done very short books and I just read them and the people that i've worked for sort of know what they're getting with me so i normally just read the book and then give it to them it's just done it's that it, simple it depends on who you're working with you have de- you have different the people i've been working with i've been working with for so long they sort of know what they're getting they call me when they want a certain type of read and the voice and the the trick to being successful is getting involved with voiceover communities people who go to conferences together, things like that because then they know, they they network and they refer each other. It's a pretty kind business in a way. It's not as cutthroat as as some people might think. They will recommend each other for gigs.
2: Huh. Where are these conventions and what happens?
4: That is the where it may get a little cutthroat because a lot of the really good ones only certain people know about.
2: Wow, like the in-crowd.
4: The in-crowd.
2: Uh like, I, I mean, are they traditional conventions? You know, like, I mean, like parties and... and No, uh, they
4: are. It's not like a pop-up some, that in someone's living room, but a lot of... Not everyone knows about them.
2: Interesting. Interesting. All right. So you, uh, you voice over a book or... You, how about a commercial? You've done a commercial yes, or two? Yes. And, oh, I heard this. And actually, look, I tried to break into this business myself. Mm-hmm. It's not easy.
4: It really isn't.
2: They're all very nice, you're right about that, but it, it ain't easy.
4: Especially now with a lot of actors, real actors and actresses doing the voiceovers. It's, they've come into the business and it's, you know, it's, it's oh, just like gosh. with modeling and products. It used to be just models, now they have actors and actresses. You know,
2: and I hate that. I was, saw some silly movie, I was in a movie theater and it was a cartoon, you know, some big cartoon movie, one of those animated mm-hmm. monstrosities. Yes. And it was like, Steve Carell! And Seth Rogen, we're all going to be voicing the characters. Right? The kids don't care. The kids don't care about Seth Rogen. Right. I well, just I felt so. like there were there there are superior voice actors out there who could do even a better job or just as good. Yet they're being bigfooted by these big Hollywood guys because somebody thinks it will be cute with their name in the titles.
4: Well, they're probably. Have you, did you check the executive producer titles on those movies? It's probably. Seth Rogan <laughs> like they people put themselves also, in the movies it could be but they are you know they are doing getting the job done you
2: have an agent right
4: Well I've had agents on and off what do the they past. take
2: 10 percent or how does it work
4: about 10 percent it depends on what you're doing like I for a long time basically did for other radio stations around the country like liner sweepers promos for that I don't use an agent
2: Hmm. Those agents, you know, you wonder about them sometimes. You know, I mean like you know, they just make a phone call if maybe, you I know? know? I mean like and they get a, lo- that's, a they lot do. Of, that's a lot. That's a lot. I think
4: that's the move. Be an agent if you if, you, if you're not succeeding at Well, what.
2: I will say tell you this. Uh my brief career in voiceover mm-hmm. work, um it, it's not exactly glamorous. At least when I had to do the dem- the demos when I had to submit my reel or whatever right, right. or read That is
4: back in the day.
2: This is uh no, no, no. Real. This is Well, I call it a reel. I'm using the wrong terminology, but I would go in the closet and do it in the phone. That's what they told me. Your best place to do it is in a closet at home. And I was like, I felt... What
4: equipment were you using? An
2: iPhone or an iPad. And they gave me... No, they said, if you use this, it's fine. Just for spec. No?
4: I wouldn't do that.
2: Uh, Shoot. No wonder why I didn't make it big. I'll help you. (laughs) Okay. Well... Anyway, Jacqueline, Carl, anything else that we should – what are your hobbies? What do you like to do that has nothing to do with radio or voice work?
4: Scuba diving. Wow,
2: where? Where do you do that?
4: The fastest is this Florida Keys to get – if you have to do a short trip, it's so much fun. I've even got night diving.
2: That's crazy.
4: It is because you're with you're with a bunch of people and you can't see around you. But I always like kind of cross my fingers that someone else would be the blue plate special and I'll have time to get back to the boat. You know what I mean? In case <laughs> big fishes are around.
2: What about this? What about the bends?
4: Oh, you know what? Honestly, you got to watch out
2: for the bends. Nitrogen bubbles or something in your body.
4: Yeah. Well, you know what? If you're if you're scuba diving during the day, you don't want it. Every atmosphere is twenty feet. So that's when your lungs, you know, collapse a little bit as you go down. You really don't want to go much more than 20 feet because at about 40 feet, everything just looks blue. You want to see all the colors and stuff. So it's not that big a deal. But you really shouldn't shoot to the surface holding your breath. That's, that can kill you.
2: Yeah, well, I don't, the holding my breath, I would have a tank. I'd have the tank.
4: But people panic if they shoot to the surface. And instead of breathing the whole way and going slowly, sometimes they shoot to the surface and they hold their breath.
2: All right, one more thing about this. I heard that you could get certified in a regular swimming pool. You can. That's so kind of, that's great.
4: You might have to finish your certification on an actual dive, but you can get a lot of the skills and the testing over with and then maybe get your final certification somewhere where you can do an actual dive. I don't know the whole thing because I got certified in the Keys.
2: In the Keys, Key West. I've been to Key West. That place is wild, by the way. It's
4: great. (laughs) <laughs> it's great. It's,
2: it's great. Uh well, all right, Jacqueline you got it all going on. I appreciate it very much.
4: <laughs> Thank you.
2: Thank you. All right. Be right back. You know who this Phil Mickelson guy is, the golfer? What did he say that was so wrong? A an apology, sincere and very necessary. Phil Mil- Mickelson, uh I'll get to the apology. I wanna know what the hell he did. He said something about Saudi Arabia. Uh all right, get I want to get eh. Okay, Mickelson, 51 years old, caused an uproar last week when author Alan Shipnuck released an excerpt from his upcoming unauthorized biography of the six-time major champion. In the excerpt published on the Fire Pit Collective website, Mickelson described the Saudis as scary, but said he was looking past their controversial history of human rights violations to gain leverage with the PGA Tour. Mickelson indicated he would be taking time away from the tour. He has skipped the past four events. Uh, Is anything here wrong? I'm scared of the Saudis. They knight to death that guy Adnan Khashoggi. Was that his name? And what else did they do there? They'll chop your head off if you break the law. They have public executions in Saudi Arabia and they behead people. And what else? They gave us bin Laden. Thanks a lot. Saudi. Ara- it's okay to be a little bit uneasy about Saudi Arabia. Now, technically, officially, they are our friends, and that's great. Still, it doesn't mean you got you to you be on your guard when you're walking around Saudi Arabia. And he puts out this apology that goes on for pages and pages. When I first saw it, I thought he ran over a nine-year-old kid, drunk driving. But all he did was say uh, the Saudis can be a little bit scary. It's a little bit scary that you got to apologize like this. Wait a second. Now, he lost a sponsor. KPMG became the first to announce an end to its partnership with Mickelson, a decision the company said was mutual. Yeah, right. (laughs) We wish him the best, KPMG said in an email to the Associated Press. Amstel Light, the beer, also ended its sponsorship with Mickelson. What the hell? You can't even drink beer in Saudi Arabia. What are they worried about? I have made a lot of mistakes in my life, and many have been shared with the public, Mickelson wrote. My intent was never to hurt anyone, and I'm sorry to the people I have negatively impacted. Who? The emir of Saudi Arabia? The guy's worth $50 billion trillion. This has always been about supporting the players, and I appreciate all the support they've given me and the I, I where's that didino guy he knows sports is he around hey put him on the phone put him on the uh, thing here are you following this stuff not the biggest golf guy but i'm reading on it right now and uh, it seems like you're kind of hitting it on the head right now he made some comments about the saudi arabians and then um what did he say up. that was so bad about saudi arabia what the hell did he say Phil Mickelson. Now he's getting. He was a very sensitive guy. Uh, he's blocking people on Twitter. And what a wuss! What a wuss! What's the big deal? You're allowed to say. Are you not allowed to criticize Saudi Arabia? What is the problem? Uh, you got anything else to say about that? Uh, I'm looking here. I'm, can't, I'm all right. You You come comments. up with a good idea. Okay, you do your research. I see your sport is football, not golf. Uh, that's okay. No, I just think this is so weird. I mean, this is still America. It's not Saudi Arabia. It is a scary place. They chop off heads of people who commit crimes. Even if you committed murder, they chop off the head. That's that's scary. You can say that. That's a scary place, Saudi Arabia. I Have I ever been? No, I haven't. I, I've never been. I've been next door to Kuwait. I've been to, uh, what was that place, uh, that little island nation, Bahrain. I met a lot of Saudis. They'd go over to Bahrain to drink. It's like New York. We go to, uh, well, I used to, but I don't do it anymore, uh, Atlantic City to gamble. It's legal there. It's legal in Bahrain. It's not legal. Amstel Light, the beer company. These corporate types are the worst. They get so scared, and they have these crisis communications uh People, these imbeciles, and they come together, and then they, they have to justify their job, right? Because they've been, you know, they get money, and they, they don't do that much. If you're in the crisis communications team for Anheuser Bush, what do you really do? Not that much. So, uh, you know, uh, when there's a crisis, you really got to milk it. I can't believe this, and I don't even golf. I couldn't even. Re- if Phil Mickelson walked in the room, I wouldn't recognize him. But this is, this is. Uh, this is not the country this is not the country we we want to be. And I know it's about Saudi Arabia, but the the reason why the guy apologizes because of corporate American corporate sponsorship and their pressure. Norman, what do you think? Hello.
5: Hi Greg. Uh I just report we that uh there are rallies going over all over the city uh against what's going on in Canada. I haven't seen and- any of
2: these rallies.
5: All right. Well, there was one yesterday Where? in front of the Canadian Consulate, 46th in Lexington. Uh we had about 75 people out there and uh we had bullhorns and we You had, had a bullhorn? I own one. And we were uh shouting and yelling and uh screaming no no mandates and uh Trudeau's got to go, which
2: rhymes. And
5: uh yeah, we had a we had a grand old time there, dancing away. Yeah, let's face and it, let's we face
2: were- it, let's face it, picketing and uh, shooting your mouth off outside a consulate or protesting—it's fun. It's fun too. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's it's fun, right?
1: Yeah,
5: right. It is fun. It is fun, especially because, uh, you know, we have permits and all. And, you know, and we're we're in good. We're in. uh, Wait a second.
2: Wait a second. You're telling me if I want to go to the consulate at 40 whatever in Lexington on the way home from work and yell, I got to get a permit. I got to get permission to do that.
5: You know, you know what? I'm not exactly certain how this goes, but all I can say is all the rallies that we've ever had, we we've uh, we've had at least the permission from NYPD, because they come by and, you know, we um, we're within the rules there. We don't uh, you know, we don't uh, uh, we're not. I hear uh, you.
2: I hear you. You're not out to cause trouble. You just want to be heard. But I still say this is America. And if I want to shoot my mouth off, I can shoot my mouth off. Thank you, Norman, very much. Uh, oh, wait a second. Dennis knows something about uh, the Phil Mickelson situation. What's wrong with this guy, Dennis? Hey,
0: Greg, here's the story. They're all pissed off at him, the American golfers and the American Golf Association. Why? Because basically this Arabian setup would create a new golf league that would compete with the American Golf League. And people are saying, hey, the guy's biting the hand that feeds him. You made millions and millions of dollars. And here you're going over to Saudi Arabia to create a whole new tournament that's going to compete with the american tournament so that's how he got all this bad publicity and then he threw out some words about uh you know hey the arabians are nice guys blah 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 and as you know everybody jumped on the bandwagon so wait wait hey, wait they, wait
2: they, wait so why would why would amstel light give a damn why are they uh gonna get rid of him
0: well amstel light got rid of him because he he made the stupid comments about the Saudi Arabia. Now, why
2: – well, I mean, let's face it, though. He's not wrong about the Saudis, all right? They go to other countries to kill journalists. They cut off people's heads in their own country. W- wives are – I'm sorry. Uh, women are denied all kinds of basic rights. It's not a nice place. It's a scary place.
0: Right. He told the truth. and you can, And you know – you know, you know, Greg, you say it all the time. You re- you can't be honest in this world. You know, you chop your head off.
2: Well, we so, got bosses and that kind of thing, and you got to, you know, if he if he embarrassed his sponsor. But still, I think this is uh, – what the hell is he doing over there? He wants a – he's,
0: he, he's got about $8 billion, Greg, so don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, still, but when that guy – a guy like that gets canceled, it has a trickle-down effect. And people – I mean, this is – these are not outlandish comments. These are These are just – these are mainstream comments that you should be able to say at the U.N., right to the guy's face. I don't see what the problem is. And if he doesn't have the wherewithal and the guts to own his comments and he's posting three pages of apologies on Instagram like he ran over a four-year-old, this is uh anyway, I don't like it. Thank you, everybody. I got to go. I'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock on Newsmax.
4: Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse?